those are like chef's kiss emoji amazing <laughs> they're so good Welcome to episode 89 of Between You and Me, the podcast where we talk about the things that hurt, heal, and change us in evangelical culture. If you are a rock star, a misfit, a revel, an evangelical, an ex-evangelical, I'm being very, very general and broad here. The idea is that you belong here and we are here to have life-giving conversations about the stuff that matters. My name is Jess Morris. I'm a music journalist from Australia. And I am so glad you are here. This episode with SEU Worship, so exciting, is brought to you by our friends at JesusWire.com, your number one source of Christian music, news, reviews, and interviews. Thank you for supporting us from the very start, my friends. We appreciate it. Now, SEU Worship. Oh, you can tell through this conversation when you hear it that I'm just so excited. Now, SEU Worship is the musical expression of Southeastern University in Lakeland, Florida. You guys know that. Florida has a special place in my heart because I lived there for a short time. I interned with Trewite Love there. Uh, never made it to Lakeland. I did consider going to university there. Interesting fact. Um, that never panned out, but it was fun to speak to their worship pastor, Dan Rivera. He's part of a group of what they call a brains trust, which is really fun, um, of young leaders who are leading worship ministry, cultivating new Christian artists, cultivating good musicians at this university. Before COVID, they would have their own worship sessions every single week. It was like really notorious for alumni. They loved it. And SEU Worship actually started to release their own music in about 2014. Um, But SEU have become really notable, I would say even in the last 12 months, particularly through 2020, um, because they have such a cool, fresh new take on worship music. And I don't use those terms lightly because I know that we have all heard every worship song under the sun. I know it takes a whole lot to make worship music sound new and it's not an easy task, right? But what we have with SEU Worship is a really young expression of charismatic evangelical Christianity um, that embraces studio sounds and the sounds of different cultures and, and genres and pulls it all together with with this like top 40, like great mixing to give us songs about God, to sing about God that you can either worship to or you can just like listen to or just jam to in the car. It sounds like really, really great radio. Uh, And that's why I like SEU Worship so much. They are aimed at like, I don't know, 16 to 26 year olds. But if you fall outside that category like myself, please still know that you have a place here to enjoy this music I love it. I love the collaboration of it. I love the hopefulness of it. And I love the integrity behind this team. They are committed to making music for their students, music that actually reflects the values and the integrity and the diversity of the kingdom of God. Um, And selling records is actually not their goal. It's not their purpose. Um, It's been a happy accident that they have been signed to a label and that their music is now going all over the world. So I am excited for you guys to meet Dan and to meet SEU Worship. Now, before we go into the episode, you're about to hear a quick bio about SEU 
enjoy. You will learn a bit about their latest releases, their mixtapes and their collabs, and then we're going to jump straight into it. You'll also hear some of the studio tracks from their mixtapes through this interview, which is honestly a lot of fun. I loved choosing those tracks for this one. It was great. All right, here is the bio. Then we're going to jump straight into my interview with Dan Rivera of SEU Worship. listen to any Christian music playlist lately, then chances are you've come across SEU Worship. They are the worship movement of Southeastern University in Lakeland, Florida, and they've become a standout emerging worship band in the last 12 months, stepping into what they call prophetic pop and creating a new sound for the church. Now, as a band, SEU Worship has existed in some capacity since 2013, and their first album, So All the World Will Know, actually dropped in 2014. It was a reflection of their daily chapel services on campus and the band's lineup has changed over the years with multiple students coming through. But come 2017 and people began to take notice of this musical movement. Current worship pastor Dan Rivera had just moved to SEU from National Community Church in DC, some of our friends, and along with David Ryan Cook, Kenzie Walker and Sydney Wilson, they took their community on a bold new creative path. They utilise different genres, cultural influences, sounds and styles, and established prophetic pop. And their self-titled album was released. The EP Born to Run quickly followed, along with Heaven Life, the Eden to Eternity EP, and in 2020, the live album A Thousand Generations, their first label release. The album is notable as it's their first release with Provident Label Group. But given that it dropped in the middle of the pandemic when they couldn't actually meet with students to worship, it was kind of ironic because it was live worship. Yet, A Thousand Generations was still a hit, and Jubilee Cast said if Justin Bieber or Ariana Grande were to release a worship album, this would be it. Now, thankfully, like so many musicians, the crew at SEU pivoted during COVID, don't we love that word, and they decided to extend themselves musically during 2020. It resulted in a collection of studio-based songs where they collaborate with artists across multiple genres across the world through technology. Their studio album Clouds Are Clearing, Mixtape 1A, dropped in November 2020, and it featured songs like After Your Heart, where Dan Rivera was joined by our friend Ellie Limebear, along with the song Pieces featuring KB, and Higher Than Mine featuring Marty of Social Club Misfits. What a lineup! Now, with a focus on inclusive, diverse, and honest songs that usher Gen Z into the word and presence of God, these songs have taken off, and the accompanying music videos are an incredibly fun and creative take on modern worship. I highly recommend that you check these guys out on YouTube. Now, the Clouds Are Clearing mixtape 1B made its way to our ears in February and continued to push the boundaries of what millennial prophetic pop sounds like. Did you even know it was a genre before this? I did not, but we are better for this. Now, this mixtape includes duets with Holland, Elevation Rhythm, and Alexander Pappas of Hillsong Young and Free, with just a bit of an Australian flavour there that I enjoy. I spoke to worship pastor Dan Ruera about SEU worship and why shepherding a generation of students is more important than selling CDs. Amen. Plus, we get real about authenticity, creativity during COVID, and why diversity is a natural, organic part of the kingdom of God. I had so much fun chatting with Dan. He is a legend and SEU worship have quickly become one of my go-to worship playlist bands. I love it. My friends meet Dan Rivera of SEU worship. So for everyone who's listening who hasn't somehow caught up with SEU worship, can you tell me about who you are 
and then who you, Dan, is as a person. Yeah, uh, SCU Worship is a worship collective, uh, worship ministry based out of Southeastern University. That's what the SCU stands for. Um, so we're a university in Lakeland, Florida. We started out as a Bible college in the 30s. And over the last like 10 years, really exploded in uh, student growth and just like the campus and, and actually sort of national growth and global growth because we have these extension site programs where you can basically teach SEU curriculum at churches as part of your internships all across America um, and some parts globally as well. So it's been really cool for us to kind of grow as an institution. And then simultaneously, while that's been happening, we've just been putting out these worship albums and SE worship is just a reflection of what happens in our chapel services. Um, we do four chapels a week, right? Actually, five chapels a week right now um, because of the pandemic. It's two morning chapels and then three evening chapels. And um, they're like limited capacity kind of vibe. But even then, when you're in there, it's just a riot. It's like the worship is so... The spirit of worship on campus has always been uh, noteworthy, always been really something that even like alum will talk about. They'll talk about these all night worship and prayer services. So it feels like that's still really true today and alive. And our, what we do is just kind of facilitate the worship and musical parts yeah. of that. That's who SE worship is. Yes. Yeah. And who, who is Dan? Um, Dan is an SEU alum. I was born in Miami, Florida and moved to Southeastern Lakeland, Florida for uh, college where um, I came to study um, secondary education, actually, initially. And then I was like that classic student that jumped around from major to major. And I grew up in church and I loved participating in the worship ministry, but never really felt like I was gonna do it vocationally. And I had, I was getting ready to drop out of school to become like, basically like, I, I don't know, my version of a indie rock star, I guess, is what I wanted to do, I think. Yes. I'm here for that. <laughs> yeah. And um, I was really gun set on that. And I uh, ended up in a gymatorium in Georgia, helping an actual like SCU team lead worship. Cause it was kind of my last obligation for the university before I left was to do the summer tour. And God met me in this gym where they put a stage and had no business being in that gym. <laughs> it sounded terrible, but God met me there and it was, you know, my whole life, I grew up in a small, charismatic Pentecostal church where my mom and dad just led worship and preached their guts out every week. And um, people, missionaries and people I didn't know would like lay hands on me and pray and be like, you're called to ministry. You're going to be a pastor. You're going to sing music. for." And I was like, yeah, that's cool. It's just like my weird Pentecostal friends going crazy. And, <laughs> and something, you know, just clicked in that gymtorium and it was like, no, God's calling me to do ministry. So I, I moved back to campus as a college student and I decided I was going to change my major and study to be a pastor. We had a pastoral program at the time, pastoral theology, and I thought I wanted to plant churches. And I felt really compelled. And I actually told the worship director at the time that I'm going to step down from my worship responsibilities and just, I really wanted to just be a pastor. And, but then it was just all these random opportunities to play guitar, to write music and all this stuff just kept happening. And by the time I graduated, I ended up taking a full-time position um, as a worship pastor in uh, Washington, D.C. But those last two years at SCU as a college student, we started putting these records out. And it was kind of a green team. We didn't really know much about the world. 
but it was sort of me and the worship pastor, like this small team writing most of the songs and figuring it out and doing it. And we got those songs out there. And um, that's kind of, the, that was the first SC worship project we ever did is in 2014. Then I moved on. I was doing full-time ministry and loved my context in DC. It was awesome. My wife and I got married and, and we had met at SCU, I guess I should say. We actually met at Walmart in Lakeland, Florida. Oh, I love America. <laughs> Keep going. But yeah, the, the joke I say when I share that at churches is we met at Walmart and you can really find everything at Walmart, even a wife. <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> and I you know it's corny. I can just feel my wife cringing right now. I yeah. still don't even hear <laughs> the first time you said it, you were like, this is awesome. And after 10 times and like, and like the new congregation being like, <laughs> you're like, yeah, that's going really well. <laughs> yeah. One day it's not going to land. I'm just going to be like, maybe that was today. I don't know. Um, just run with it. I'll edit it to make sure it lands. You're good. <laughs> I enjoyed that. <laughs> I, um, yeah, we were in DC, loved our context. And I said, I basically said I would, um, I'll never leave. We loved the city, felt called. But I always said that if Southeastern ever called and asked me to contribute to this place that had meant so much to my calling in life and world, it'd be a really hard thing to say no to. And isn't it just like God to open up that door to happen? And um, and then I came back. And so it was like 2016, I came back um, or 2017. I, I got back here and we started sort of like running with this thing and, and making it happen. And um, yeah, that's sort of been the story. That's yeah. a long story short. And um, I came here with Dave uh, Cook, who's one of our core artists. And he was actually the first to kind of come in and bring me back with him. And we've just been sort of putting our heads down, building this worship ministry and empowering students to contribute and be a part and yeah. lead the way. We're really a student ministry. So um, all the songs and projects you hear, that students on those projects, either in writing or performing them. And... Um, we tend to say that's the secret sauce of what makes SC worship so yeah. unique to us. Yeah. And that's the, yeah, that's it. And that's me, I guess. That's supposed to be me talking about me. So. We will stand through fire. We will walk through waters. Full of faith and passion. More than a lot of praises. Find our hearts repentant. This is the sound of revival.
your music is that, um, well, you can, one, you can tell that you're like student-led and that you used to be a student because you take such a fresh approach to your worship and to the sound and production of it. It sounds different, which, as we know, is really hard to do in Christian worship music. Um, how did that, is that like something intentional? Did you guys, or did you set out to be like, let's create a new sound? Or was it literally, this is just what we're creating and we're just running with it? Yeah, it's like every stroke of genius. It's an accident in the moment, but then intentional when you tell the story later. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean we, we're a ministry of young people. So it's 16 to 26 year olds. And the first project I started working on when I came back, we were, we were doing this kind of piano ballad. And um, just to experiment, I threw like a, like a hip hop R&B beat. It was like a loop into the song. And we watched just all the students start popping their head and being like, oh yeah. And me and Dave looked at each other as we were writing a song. And we were just kind of like, are we going to do, are we going to be a Sunday morning band? Or are we going to be a Wednesday night, Friday night band? Oh, I like that. Yeah. And we just decided that it made more sense for us to lead, to write according to the, the context we were leading in, which is when we're on the road, we lead for high school ministries. And then when we're home, it's 18 to 22 year olds. So we always had like 16 to 26. That's what we're going for, you know, basically that age group. We want them to feel like this is my worship music. And that's been a huge guiding principle for us and how we write the kind of music we reference and listen to and how we collaborate with others. And um, yeah. So it was kind of a happy accident. No, I love that. And what I also really enjoy is that you guys, and what I read in the press kit as well, was that um, you really focus on collaboration, which we've seen in a sense, like you work with a ton of students um, and then you have other artists come in with you. But I love that the choice of artists, whether you've had any control over that, has actually been younger people who are really upcoming in music and like, putting their own stamp on things, doing things a new way, um, which honestly we is just desperately needed. But in terms of collaboration, like you have your team and you as a leader have the ability to pull out the best from people and be like, this is your strength, we're going to amplify it. So you don't mm. force people to conform to a certain sound. Um, and somehow you've managed to get a whole student body and now people around the world to be like, we can roll with this. There's some continuity here. How, yeah. how do you, I suppose, organize, like how do you build that collaboration? How do you create a safe environment where people feel accepted and able to bring their best to the table and risk it all, but also say this sounds completely different or this is from my background that you won't get, but I think it could be cool. How do you build that environment? Yeah. Well, for one, um, I really try and make it a point to get out of the way, honestly. Like, and I don't make, I don't produce records or make decisions in a silo. So we actually pick all of our songs for an upcoming project um, through a process called Brain Trust. And the Brain Trust is basically like three to five people and um, per project, that's the, that's the group. And we'll do a couple meetings and we sit down and it's not like, it's not um, like popular vote or majority vote. It's all of us have to love the song. If we all love it, it goes on the project. And that helps a lot because it keeps, there's a song that I might be really attached to. It's really helped center me because there's a song I might be really attached to that they're like, you know, um, it's, it's not as good as you think it is. Simultaneously, there's our live record and even the mixtape. There's songs that are on that project that I collaborated and contributed to that I never would have fought for or been like, yeah, this is an important song, you know, 
of mine that I think would be good on the project. And someone else at the Brain Trust is like, you are crazy for not mentioning that song. We have to do that song. And it's allowed the best of our whole community to rise to the top. And then it feels really true. It, you know, just if, from like a leadership standpoint too, it's been really helpful to have that approach for buy-in because it really does feel like our project. It's like, actually we make, we decided these songs together. Um, and simultaneously, we frame all of our writing experiences and trips under the kind of context of like, take risks and go for it. Uh, if you're wondering if you're pushing the boundary too far, stop asking that question and just go for it. And on the back end, I'll say like, let's edit that or let's make it a little more like this, more palpable. But we, we just want to set the precedent that we want you to try something new and fresh. What's been interesting for us is um, all the songs on the mixtape were, some of those songs were written like in 2016 or 2017. Wow. There's a bunch of songs that were, uh, they weren't B-sides. We, it was songs we always loved that didn't fit on the live project we were doing. So then they sat in a Dropbox folder and some of them we had done in our chapels, but for some reason it just didn't have that element of like, we could do this in a service and it's going to connect or we tried it. It didn't really have that energy to it. So what ended up happening is all these songs sat in a folder and eventually um, we just said, let's get this project out there and see what happens. Now that it's come out, it feels like all these songs were, were made and written for your worship in this season because you're worshiping like from your home, yeah. you know, it feels like it's made to connect there, but it was, it's another happy accident. Like we were honestly just, just trying to put out these songs that we love to listen to and we love to worship to. We didn't know how it was going to be received. Um, so it's been really cool. Like the response has been bigger and better than our other previous projects. And it was so funny because everyone on our team, I, I was like, you know, this is just gonna be a fun thing we kind of do on the side and we'll see what happens, you know, who knows, but don't sweat it. So then it like started to get some traction. I'm like, I guess we should do some music videos. Like, I guess we should do something. <laughs> we didn't have any plan. And um, yeah, it's just funny. But I, I think when you're true to yourself, those things tend to happen. And that's all, we were just trying to be true to the songs we had and get them out there. Through every season When my heart is fickle this I can be sure You never change You let me feel Just what I need to So I will cling to A God who stays I can see what's real now Like the clouds are
hey, are you a creator? Do you like creating fancy slideshows for church? Or maybe you're a videographer, a podcaster like me. Maybe you just love creating things and you need amazing stock music or videos to fill the needs. That is where Soundstripe comes in. The team at Soundstripe are world-class musicians who have hired world-class musicians to create stock music without all the loopholes of licensing. Simply subscribe and you can select what track you want and license it as many times as you want. It's a great way to support artists and create world-class content. We love our friends at Soundstripe. We have been partnered with them since the first episode of Between You and Me, and we are so grateful for their support. If you would like to use their content or check them out, go right now to soundstripe.com and use the code UMEPOD at checkout for 10% off. That is the code UMEPOD at the checkout, and you will get 10% off. You're welcome. Hey, it's me again. Big surprise, I know. But you know what I love? Nearly equally as much as good music. I love a good band tea. And I love a good nostalgic band tea, which is why I'm a big fan of the Between You and Me web store. If you head there right now, you will actually find that we have throwbacks to some of the most iconic Christian musicians and plenty of ammunition for the next catch up with the friends you survived Christian college with or who also survived being a PK with. Go check out our t-shirts, our hoodies, our masks, because that's a thing in 2020, and even our phone covers or notebooks. We would love you to take home a piece of Between You and Me and remember wherever you go that you belong here, that you are a part of a family of misfits and worshippers and questioners and people who apparently like nostalgia. Go and check it out now at our website, betweenyouandmepod.com and hit the shop button. How has those, like the mixtapes that you've done in studio, so you haven't done them in live worship, how has that actually helped you to connect with the SEU community through a pandemic? Because we know that this has reached people around the world now. Um, yeah. How have these songs, studios, it's not traditional, actually created more rapport or even like family? We can get through this in this period. Yeah, well... I think the biggest thing is that so many students are involved singing these songs. So it goes from like, Oh, that's my worship pastor to like, Oh, that's like my roommate. Or that's, yeah. that's, that's the, you know, the girl who leads every Tuesday morning. I see her in the morning chapels like leading and she's also at the cafeteria and around. And I think it's just helped create that sense that this is really our project. We all worked really hard to do this together. And um, I think that part helps. I, I also just think the nature of it, it's, um, it's uh some some people think that worship albums you have to kind of be in a certain frame of mind to listen to it, but I would like to imagine that the test like uh, the mixtape record, you can kind of like listen to it when you're hanging with friends, and move a little bit and connect to it, and it's good listening, and simultaneously you can like be doing your devos and listen to it and feel like encouraged, you know, maybe even helped or enlightened in how God sees you and, and loves you and, and how we feel called to worship Him. As a band, but you're a collective, so like you're brains trust your leadership group and then you have a variety of students of different ages coming through um and i imagine that there is a whole a whole backlog of diversity there lived experiences uh religious ideas and sense of like protestant and catholic and all sorts of stuff um oh, yeah. and even even how we perceive things and a lot of that in my perception, has risen really risen to the surface in the last few years, um, and it's 
become like church unity has become a really big thing. And how do we actually create that? How do we learn to accept our brother and sister or or even do ministry next to them? Um, How do you establish that? I suppose that that mutual sense of respect, um, aside from modeling it, obviously, but, but how do you establish that mutual sense of respect? Because like universities, they're a place where people ask hard questions and grow and you get so many diverse opinions. So how do you create um, that? Well, yeah, I mean, the, the first thing is you can't be, I, I'll speak really just like from my personal experience and I can't be afraid of someone else's um, opinion and I can't interpret everybody's differing opinion as dissension. And what I've learned is when I come in with that approach to a conversation, people tend to be like refreshed mm-hmm. when they're, you know, people will say stuff like, well, you don't do enough of this in worship. And I'm like, yeah, sometimes I think that too. And I wonder, I really wonder how I can do that, yeah. you know? And they're kind of looking at me like, what? <laughs> yeah. And I do find that that's a much more productive way to have those hard conversations you're talking about. I, I think we probably have an advantage to, in this regard over other um maybe worship ministries or or bands and stuff, because naturally when you're doing contemporary music, it's always going to be a conglomerate of influences and styles, which always tend to be in a conglomerate of cultures and um, ethnicities even. So we may have Latin beats with, you know, with other mixed genres and elements in a song. And um, it's one thing that's really helped us kind of navigate the diversity conversations that's, happening i know in australia too but in the u.s drastically at the moment is um listen i'm not here to sing this racist music or that racist music because it's going to be i'm from miami <laughs> like i'm a latino kid from miami it's going to be a misrepresentation what i do feel called to do is for us all to be all in on our music like what does our community make because we each are bringing as you said unique cultures and perspectives and sounds and worldview into our song so every community and church theoretically should have its own uniqueness and sound that sort of plays in tune with the same Mm -hmm. global church, but doesn't resonate the same way, you know? And that's what I think is great about being all in on a creative culture is it allows us to kind of do what we want and mix genres and say like, yeah, we're not a gospel band, but we're not a CCM band either. So like (laughs) lean in and have fun and like, let's figure it out and let's, let's, let's do collabs, you know? I remember the last mixtape actually has more expressions of gospel music in it because I grew up around a lot of that. A lot of us did. And that stuff just rises to the top. And when you're not afraid to just be what your influences are, um, naturally, I think that stuff cuts through. But we beg for the love, oh Jesus, we won't go I'm at home at your throne, I'm just singing my song like I'm just throwing out facts, you just throwing out cap They don't do it like that, you can't bring a life back Who take my will, yeah. you can be Lord, yeah, you're not gonna be still Matter of fact, I will adapt, yeah, I can see it, give me that, yeah Where you lean, I react, yeah, send it all across the map, yeah We ain't never going back, yeah, we ain't never taking passes Jesus all in the church, yeah, every record for the master
in the last year, especially SEU has gotten a lot of traction and started getting a lot of attention from uh, Christian music industry, that, that weird side of show business in, in Christian industry stuff. How, and I know that for you, a lot of that, like it's separate to what you do. You're here, you're a student ministry, you just create music. Um, how do you, I don't want to use the term protect your brand, but like nearly go, this is who we are and we're not going to push our values or push our craft to sell music when that pressure arises. Because there's a sense that once you enter the Christian media machine, it can just keep going and could get out of control. So how, how do you, if you can answer this, mm. um, steer, like stay your path, say this is what we, who we are, this is what we're doing, and this is, this is our people. How do you stick to that, if you can answer it? Yeah, you know, we, there's, we in my like movement that I grew up in, my denomination and sort of, worship style, we would have these traveling evangelists and you can always tell if they were going to be wacky, if they didn't have a home church, you could just kind of always, like if they didn't have like a home-based ministry, you knew it was going to be a little off center. And um, I kind of think that's true for artistry in the church that I am first and foremost, the worship pastor in these services. Like I'm leading college students into worship. That's my first job when it comes to my ministry vocation. And that keeps me really grounded when it comes to what does the music sound like? It's like, well, if it doesn't work here, it's not going to be true to us and it's not going to go other places. And um, it's been really, yeah, it's, it's just been, and then I surround myself with other people who basically believe that and have my best interest when it comes to that kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah, there's, there's totally a, a backside to it. That's um, I wouldn't say it's dark, but it's complicated and nuanced. That's like, the uh, as far as like the industry goes is what I'm referencing, and um, as far as keeping my head out of all that stuff and, and staying clear, we just try and be us and, and do us. And what's funny is you can do all the industry right stuff, like the stuff by what the industry says to do, and um, still not break or whatever, yeah. right? Like there's all if, if that's what it is about for you, then chances are you're going to be disappointed. Because no one can really determine how this stuff happens. <laughs> it's like you're either true to yourself and it's speaking to people um, or you're not. And so I think it's like, I don't know. I'm, I'm very happy to just be us, trust the students. And if anything, I feel the pressure for that stuff to grow so that I can pastor our students that want to be artists better. Love that. And you know, like stay at, keep them out of the weeds, you know, as much as it helps them so they can continue to do effective ministry write great songs and um, for me to kind of get the right team around me and be learned enough to basically um, navigate it, you know, responsibly and effectively. And that's kind of, I guess, more of my motivation behind it at the moment when it comes to the industry stuff. Yeah. Um, you answered that. I know that was a curly question. You answered that so well. Thank you. Um, and I love what you said about keeping other students like out of the weeds and fostering, basically fostering an environment. I love that. Um, and yeah, thank you. I just, I get sort of the heart of what you guys are doing. I just really respect that. And I'm grateful. <laughs> so thank you. It's very important that if you feel called to make art, um, you have to know there's like an industry behind it and do it. And you have to figure out what the end goal is for you in art. Cause you're going to get whatever your reward is. That's going to be your prize. I know those are synonyms, but I mean like, if your reward is streams 
and royalty checks and whatever that thing looks like to have an audience and have a stage, like, a, you know, arenas full of people listening to your music, your prize is that. If that's your goal, that your prize is that. And that doesn't um, comfort you when you need it the most. That doesn't, you know, remind you who God is when you need him the most. It doesn't help you learn the Bible better. And it, it does, it's not there for you. It's not there for you. It's really nothing. And the artists that I've come to respect and love the most and, and just look up to and, and would even some maybe even call mentors, they they know what they're in this for and they're doing it for the kingdom of God because they believe in the power of art to build the kingdom of God and encourage people. And that's where I'm at too. I'm like, let's just, I want to build the kingdom of God. I want to inspire as many people as possible to Jesus. And if we can do that, um, then I think we're doing the right thing. And that's hopefully that's going to be my prize is that I get to meet my my Lord and say, hey, this is this is what I aim to do. Did I do it? And I think for every artist, it, you have to kind of weigh that. And only you are really going to know your own intentions when you go to write and make stuff. And I think it's okay if you want to be an artist and your industry is like, yeah, this is my living. I do this. Um, uh, and, you know, and I'm a Christian and I love Jesus and I, I serve my church and all that stuff. I think that's awesome. That's, but I think it's just important, important to know the why to what you're doing and what motivates you. And um, I think that really drives your expectations and drives your ministry. I resonate with that too. And the challenge is that every day. Yeah, I hear that. Um, they're all like the set questions I have. I have some hopefully more fun popcorn questions, but is, there anything, is there anything you wanted to say or that I've missed? Um, I don't think, oh, you know, you talked about the collaborations. I guess I'll just say like, you know, all, all of the collaborations were just people we had met or known or had just kind of come in the, cross paths with and it, it comes back to like our pop thing where it's like I just felt like in the pop world you always see people collaborating with others and it's so backwards that we don't do that in Christian music I don't, I don't understand our album should be full of collaborations but we're all kind of slow to do it and I was talking to somebody who's a songwriter and a producer in, in our world and he was basically like you know maybe SCU has to be the ones that kind of go first in that regard and I'm happy to do that because I had a blast working with these guys. It was so fun. And they tend to be some of my favorite songs are the ones that we had our friends feature on. So it was really fun. And I think there's probably going to be more of that yes. as we continue to. Oh, I love that. Grow. Yeah. No, I saw, um, I saw the one with Ellie Linebear and how you both essentially recorded the film clip in different countries. And it just yeah. made my heart happy because I was like, we live in a COVID world and this is how we do worship now.
Okay, my quick questions for you are just random things I'm curious about or had no other place to ask them. So my first one, um, if you could collaborate with any artist, living or dead, they can be Christian, they don't have to be, who would it be and why? Oh, man, I would, this is not, I'll do a Christian one and then a non-Christian one. The, the Christian one is Paul McCartney. I just, I would just kill to be in his space, but like Paul McCartney in the sixties and seventies sometime around then when he's like, you know, younger than me basically. And just cranking out hits. I just want to see the full brunt of his energy and like be in a studio session with him. Cause I just came up on that music. My dad, my parents were very picky about the kind of music I could listen to, but the Beatles were okay. And uh, yeah, that's, I guess my non-Christian one, as far as like uh, faith artists, Christian artists, there's so many that come to nine to mine, but there's a specific songwriter and artist named uh, Andrew Peterson, who I just, I respect that man so much. I think what he does is so cool. And he's probably the best Christian songwriter you've never heard of. If you're listening to this I, podcast. I haven't heard of him. I, I, well, I feel like his name is like, what? I have to look into that. Yeah. I'll look into it. He's amazing. And um, maybe if you're watching this, give me a call. <laughs> Andrew Peterson, are you there? We love you. We would like to be friends with you. Um, if you, oh, actually, what uh, worship band or worship leader expression shaped you the most growing up? Mm. Um, the, I have a bunch of like albums that I listen to, but the, the actual answer is probably my mom. My mom was our worship leader at our church and she just worshiped like she worshiped like Jesus was going to come back any second. And I just, I feel like that's inspired me and encouraged me the most in how I lead worship. Just this expectation that like, he's on the move. God's coming guys. Like, and when he, when he arrives, I want my hands up in the air, like praising his name. And um, I think she's been a huge motivation for me. As far as like the artist side, you know, I, I love, love, love the Hillsong projects. I saw Hillsong live with Darlene Check when I was um, like a kid. And she did it just really shaped me that whole experience because they had people that were just younger on stage. And that was new for me. I didn't see a lot of that growing up. And, um, and then I should probably add Leland too. Leland's been a big inspo for me as a young guy. He was at this service where like, you know, I really dedicated my life to Jesus as a young person and he was leading and he's actually been on campus and get to know him now. And I told him that story. I'm just like, he's, um, he's amazing. Yeah. Um, I, I say Bethel's first two live records. If you've never vis- like visited Bethel music's first two live records, um, here is love and be lifted high. Those are like chef's kiss emoji. Amazing. <laughs> They're so good. High. Is that the one where Kim, Kim Walker Smith is jumping up in the air mid jump in front of the words on the stage? I think no, that I I, um, I know which record you're talking about, and it's oh, not this one. It's somewhere along there. I'll go backwards. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's I know exactly which one you're talking about. I can see the art. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it high is like there's Brian Johnson songs, Jen Johnson, Amanda Cook, Jeremy Riddle. I think, and it's just you, you just listen to it, and it's like banger after banger, and they're all so good, and the worship moments are just yeah. so authentic and okay. profound, and um. I remember feeling like that was so inspiring when I heard that, you know, this oh, church yeah. out in California doing yeah. this thing. I remember Bethel, um, like when, when I first heard Bethel years and years ago, it being like, 
the live worship and, and like this like the singing in the spirit and being like churches can do that like like I grew up Pentecostal but it was like uh we're embracing that now and that was really cool Wait, we're releasing this <laughs> like people buy this what's going on yeah, it was great um my last question we to think that was like you had to pioneer that it's actually crazy to consider yeah. it's still part of our culture now yep that's how it rolls yeah um my last question for you if you could go back to the day after you got the call to in, while you were in dc to say come back and be the pastor at seu what would you say to yourself knowing what you know now that is such a great question. I don't know. What would I say to myself? Oh, man. Um, I feel I'm tempted to say that I, I guess, okay, let me start over. I think what I would say to myself is um, just prepare to have relationships that fill your heart and, um, and make it about that and continue to keep it about that. Cause there's moments where I've got discouraged or kind of got off, not that I got off course or anything like that, but just there's moments where you kind of eat your spirits down a little bit. And it usually comes down to just fumbling stuff when it comes to relationships. And I think it's just so important that for me or for anybody in ministry, and it's, we can make it about the events or the songs and all that stuff is cool. But that's why I'm so grateful for Dave and Kenzie and Sid, you know, some of our other core artists, just our relationship has stayed intact. And um, we also like each other <laughs> like five years into doing the music. And um, we're all still, I'm still inspired by them to make music and to just rock it out. But it was because we protect the relationships. enjoyed that there is so much depth to Dan I was at the end of a moderately long day of interviews uh, he was literally having to prep for that night's chapel service while we talked um, and what I loved was that he was very comfortable with me he just opened up he shared his story uh, I resonated a lot with his journey as a musician, as a creative, um, and love the fact that he has chosen to come home to SEU, to serve his community, to create songs. 
I love that there's not really room for an ego trip with this crew because they have a group of people around them who are constantly giving them feedback and forming decisions based on what's best for everyone. I think that's really powerful. I think we need that in life, in church, in worship music. Um, I'm just like Christian music can only be better for having this diversity of sounds. I mean, there's a place for what we now know as normal contemporary worship music. I think we've got Hillsong to thank for that. I'm thankful for it. It formed so much of my life growing up. It, it was my first introduction to Christian music. Um, but I love now that there are bands shifting and morphing and shaping and recognizing other aspects of culture. Uh, that's what the church should sound like. It just it should sound like a million different things coming from a million different places sharing a love and a word and bringing together community it's really really cool thank you for your time dan it was my absolute privilege and i'm so grateful for you and the team at seu now you can connect with seu worship online at seu worship they're also at seuworship.com and you can pick up their mixtapes 1a and 1b the clouds are clearing now on all your favorite streaming platforms. The links are in our bio. There are so many songs there. And like I said, definitely check them out on YouTube. They have done such fun videos, given like the fact that they can't do like live worship. They've really just gone all out with creativity. I highly recommend you check out the video with Ellie Limebear because she filmed her part in the UK and Dan filmed his part in Florida and they've merged it together to create a really cool song. So definitely check that out. That is all for this episode. Now, if you loved it, we have a one more Better Together episode coming for you next week, right before Easter. This one is with our friend Alvin Garrett, a Grammy-nominated songwriter and an all-round amazing gospel, soul, jazz pop musician. He has worked with some of the biggest artists in the world uh, and he's a really just such a joy-infused person. We talked about why he chose to record an album about love and joy. It's literally called The Lightness of Love. After 2020 and after he actually released an EP that was called Awakening, which actually discussed societal injustice. So make sure that you have pressed subscribe to that and we would love to connect with you online. Just connect with us at Between You Me Pod or find us at BetweenYouAndMePod.com. Check out our past episodes on there. Now that's all for this episode. I will see you next week for our last episode in the Better Together series. My name is Jessica Morris. Here's to hope. Never give up, take out. Never give up, don't fade. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. Never give up.
Bye.